Welcome to the Emerging Writers Festival podcast. I'm Izzy roberts the Artistic Director of the festival. I'm Ruby Rose Pivot-Marsh. I'm the Digital Producer at EWF. And I'm Aisha Trambus. I'm EWF's Program Coordinator this year. So we are three quarters of the programming team behind the festival and we're going to be having a chat in this podcast episode about the processes and the drivers behind the decisions that we make in the programming that we do. And unfortunately, we weren't able to be joined in the studio today by Lin Nguyen, our fantastic uh, program producer, but you will hear from her a little later on in the podcast episode. What do you both consider a programmer to be? My question then would be like, what is the difference between a programmer and or programming and curation? Yeah, well, that's what I'm really interested in yeah. because a lot of the terminology that we use to describe arts professions and roles um, sometimes confuses me and mm. strikes me as like almost deliberately convoluted sometimes for outside folks who are outside of a, a very niche artsy experience. It makes it kind of, um, yeah, confusing to navigate and a bit like sort of inaccessible to people who haven't been exposed to it before. I don't know, I'm just like going off on a tangent now, but I didn't even know that like what arts management was until last year, until I came to EWF as a creative producer. Mm. I didn't even know that that was a thing, but I had worked in live music and I'd worked as a writer and I just like it never clicked in my mind that oh those are actually skills that like in some places exist together. No definitely and I I mean I think it's largely self-defined a lot of the time which is why the language around it can be so I don't know odd in particular ways and I mean am I right in saying as well like none of us have studied like quote-unquote arts management in an institutional or formal capacity yeah, I haven't at all, which I think is why I like didn't know that it was a thing. I really like the title curation these days and I've started thinking about that as a closer approximation of the things that I do in and I see it as a practice as well, like a creative practice. And I think that yeah, I think I like curator or like better than programmer sort of because I think that we all have been doing like quite a lot of interdisciplinary events and have that approach that's not strictly quote-unquote literature that we work with as well and so I think I prefer that terminology and I've started thinking about it in that way. What do you consider it to be? I genuinely am at a point of confusion. I guess similarly to you Izzy I do see a large overlap between curation and programming to the point where I don't necessarily know if they're synonymous, but I'm just not exactly clear on my personal distinctions between the two. I think both practices are really about framing events, artworks, ideas in a particular way for folks to participate in them. And then obviously alongside that role, you have all of the actual grunt work of making an event or an exhibition or any kind of art happening actually interactive mm. um, for people. So I think that, yeah, my experience of programming at EWF has encompassed those things. But yeah, I was reading an interview with um, one of our programmed artists for the festival, Sumalina Redden Winoto, and they were talking about how they do community organising work as well as writing and a lot of other creative things as well. And they were talking about 
the fact that they don't really see a difference between community organising and curating. It's just the audiences that are different. But your main purpose is to bring together people purposefully to be able to connect around something that you've really put in, put a lot of thought and intention behind framing. It's really f- funny that you bring up like sort of community organising, curating and like programming and then I guess I also am like well where does producing fit in with all that but like I look at my bio and I'm like I call myself a producer and a community organizer and a like what are all these like yeah where what are the differences I don't know maybe it's like the intention or the the audience that they're intended for is where the distinction is maybe for me Mm. I'm not sure yet I'm still figuring that out maybe it's also about the intended effect because mm. I think that sometimes that framing it's what your intention is for that audience is it to generate connection between them and it's like you want people to talk to each other that are in that room that are interested in that thing or do you want to generate discussion and I think this is something that we all whether as like clearly or not kind of look at in the ways that we approach programming for the festival as well is considering yeah that intention that's what the intention is for the audience but also trying to Uh, think about the best form to generate the outcome that we want within that space as well. And that's where this sort of interdisciplinary approach or experimental approach can come in. The idea of just having, here are the experts on the stage and here are the receiving parts of the people who are there to receive the information isn't always going to be the best way. It's There's a reason that that's tried and tested and we still do a lot of that as well, you know, like panel discussions with an audience in a, a space that is suited to that. But yeah, questioning those forms can be a really important thing to do, I think, sometimes as well. And not seeing our audience as passive, I think, is something mm-hmm. that um, can be drawn across from all of those different forms as well. And, yeah, having an intention for what you want the folks who are going to be there to receive from it is is really probably part of that difference as well. Yeah. But in relation to those different, like, slashes in your bio, mm-hmm. I also think that there's... um. Like producing is its own skill set and having yeah. there's, there's a material skill set in like the administration of yeah. getting an event organised. So we're all kind of event managers or producers as well as curators. Yeah. And that can be, there's like solid tangible skills that are in knowing how to craft copy that is going to tell people to come to it or, you know, understanding how to do artist liaison in a particular way. And those are like sort of hard skills that I think are transferable across multiple different spaces but then there's obviously the specific like I have an interest in the visual arts but I by no means feel like an expert whereas I would say I feel like much more of an expert when it comes to poetry Mm. because that's something that I've spent many years building up a knowledge base in still got a lot to learn but I feel much more qualified to sort of approach that but then we have this all the time like Aisha and I talked about it a lot with this year's program where we also are programming to things that we're not experts in definitely and having to learn the skill set to do the research on like the crime masterclass mm-hmm. is something neither of us are particularly big crime readers or neither of us write it and so doing the research to go well who's going to be coming to this what are they going to want to ask is just as useful a skill sometimes as being the expert yourself so I'm interested in considering all of those slashes in the, you know, experience, skill set, interests that um, you both have as well. What's led you to be sitting in this room chatting to me on this podcast? Like what's kind of brought you to this point? That's 
surprisingly difficult to answer. For me, basically an interest in the arts, obviously, an interest in bringing people together and an interest specifically in learning how to do those things better. Um, That's the main reason that I'm here in this role. So I have a creative practice myself. So last year I was very lucky to become the associate producer of EWF and even more lucky to stick around and be part of this year's festival. But yeah, it's basically my own, um, my interest in my own creative practice and then wanting to level up my skill set to be able to curate and create and facilitate creative experiences for other people. What about you, Ruby? So, yeah, I have my own creative practice as well, but I think for me, I kind of mentioned it before, I came from working in all ages live music as a volunteer for many years um, and eventually like in paid roles. And then I kind of stopped doing that and focused on writing. Um, I went back to uni to do a second comms degree because you know the first one wasn't enough while I did that I um, did some documentary work through that um, course Um, so that was really great and that was sort of my first I think proper experience as like a producer and then yeah I had been freelancing as a writer I was also working in admin and then I applied for the creative producer internship last year Um, And yeah, that was the first time that I really kind of was like, oh, all those other things that I've done before do add up to one thing, Mm -hmm. whereas I had never sort of um, thought about the fact that they do go together. I always thought that I had to do like one thing and stick to that. Being a creative producer at EWF sort of um, helped me realise that that existed, that that was like a thing that people did. And yeah, I was like, oh, I've been to these before and never like knew what that what goes into making it and what that means. I think it's really interesting. There's um, something that's come out of like both of those things for me. And one is that we all have a creative practice and it's something that I really value about our team is that we are all artists. And so in our programming, we're led by an understanding of what it is to work in those forms a lot of the time. And even though we might not have, you know, that a very specific set of knowledges about Um, one kind of practice we still there's like a base level of understanding in the programming that we're doing and especially because Emerging Writers Festival is for artists like it's a festival where the Mm. main audience are also practicing artists or if they're not yet then we hope that they will become practicing artists that's something that I think is really wonderful yeah and I guess my involvement with EWF is a long one now Mm. I applied to be a creative producer in I think I Applied in 2013 and then I couldn't do it. Like I, I, you know, got to the point where I was maybe going to have an interview about doing the internship and then I, like some work stuff came up and I couldn't do the dates anymore. And then I was overseas in 2014. So then I applied again in 2015 and I got, I got the internship and I did the festival. We're actually recording at library at the dock today where I did my event for wow. the 2015 festival and then yeah I was an art festival artist in 2016 and then I applied and started this role right at the start of 2017 in March when the festival was in June yeah. so like strapped mm. in and did that and then I got to stick around and work with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think one thing just as we've been sort of having this discussion that 
it reminds me of is like also looking back at like all the other stuff that I've done or that other people have done like individually and just sort of not realizing at the time that they are all forms of like being a producer or being a curator and at the time I was just like no it's just a thing that I do I just make the things and the things happen yeah and I think that's something I always come back to as well is doing the thing is what makes you the thing is Mm. what I like to say you know we had our program launch this year was looking at the question of like when did you feel like a writer is was there a moment where um, these artists were like I can call myself that now and um, most people will have a moment in something like that like where, you know, people are like, oh, what does that entail? Or they don't understand what yeah. your job is. Or like, it's even, I had a funny experience of after doing the 2017 festival, one of my mates was like, oh, good. So like, it's done. Like, what are you going to do now? And I was like, oh, I work full time. Mm, like, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, it's my job. Like, I, it's not like I did the festival and then it's over. Um, yeah. There's actually a lot of work that goes into yeah. making it happen. Definitely. Yeah, that's a really good place to probably jump in and talk a bit more about the process Mm. of creating this wonderful beast of a Mm. festival Um, because I feel like it definitely was eye-opening for me joining this team and seeing I guess the behind the scenes um, what it's actually like in our office how many people are actually on the team I think it's very disembodied when you open the program and you can see there's like 13 names here and and five of them are interns and the you kind of whittle away and realize the core team is small but seeing it on paper is different to actually coming in day in day out for a year like you said you don't go anywhere just because the festival is over in July you're straight into working on more Izzy can you talk a little bit about like just an overview of what EWF does during the year because obviously the festival is for just over a week in June, but your role is full-time and there's a lot to be done. Absolutely. I think um, there's something I want to draw on too. Like we are kind of both a small team and a big team um, in that we have three staff. So myself and our wonderful executive director, Alice Muling, and you, Aisha, as our program coordinator that are there all year round and everyone else kind of comes on and we like build up to a bigger team throughout the year. But um, it's interesting, like thinking about the festival's history, something I love doing is poking my head into the City of Literature office because mm-hmm. um, we're based in the Wheeler Centre and just having a bit of a chat to David Riding because he is a former director of the festival and um, did that quite a long time ago. <laughs> I think it was about a decade ago. And just getting a sense of like what we've grown from because the festival started as a zine fair that was run by Express Media. Um, I believe it was Richard Watts who was the first director of the festival who now does like Smart Arts on Triple R and writes for Arts Hub and is a fantastic critic and, you know, mentor of many people in the arts industry. And then it kind of grew and grew and grew and it turned into a few days and now it's like 11 days and we have all of these staff and we have the ability to, I think, run a really exceptional internship program that's training up um, folks to take those skills on elsewhere in in really tangible ways Um, and that means that lots of them get to go on and do cool jobs after that or come back and work with us as the case may be. But yeah, just reflecting on that as well, like thinking about where we've come from is always Mm. really interesting to me. But so in terms of the process, I guess 
Um, a lot of it is artist applications. We have over 300 artists in this year's festival, which is pretty remarkable. Um, and we did an estimate. It was about 120 of them, I think, that were from the open call out this year, wasn't yeah. it? So that takes a lot of time and energy is going through the, what, 360 artist applications that we got um, and trying really hard to place as many folks as we can in the overall program. Because that open call out is something I'm really proud of that we do. It's a lot of added work rather than just kind of think of a person, yeah. um, but to go through and shape the festival based on um, our community. But that is how we find people who have never spoken at a writer's festival before and, you know, or aren't linked in to like the quote unquote lit community in yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. So that's a huge part of it is reading through all of those applications and I guess we also run the Digital Writers Festival. So we're always programming um, really at the moment. But yeah, those those timelines of doing the Digital Writers Festival in October, the applications for that, everyone will open as soon as EWF closes. So get your apps in for the Digital Festival in July. But yeah, that's kind of the day-to-day the -day a lot of the time. And, and we spent a lot of time um, in like the end of the year and the first beginning of the year as well having conversations and dreaming up going all right with we're going to run you know four master classes what themes do we think people are going to want to access for these you know relatively low cost master classes that are going to interest the most amount of people in our community or what haven't we done in the last few years what's an art what's a form of writing that we haven't included um, and trying to like share the love in that way a bit as well with our with our program it's incredibly back-to-back, -back actually, and the um, the fullness of our AWF's programming throughout the year, I think, is very invisibilized when you think of the very neatly packaged, beautiful programs that are online after the many months of programming and producing both festivals so it's pretty much back to back we finish AWF and then the applications open for DWF Digital Writers Festival and then we finish Digital Writers Festival in November and applications straight away open for Emerging Writers Festival in November December and from there from the end of the year till now basically we're making the festival happen proper it's actually when you look at our calendar like that, we're like, oh, when are we going to take our annual leave? Mm. <laughs> but um, making space for that as well and making sure that there's some downtime for us all to work on our practice as well. That's something that I really so strongly felt at the start of the year was wanting to have more time, particularly for my poetry practice. Um, because I think, as I said before, it's something that really makes us good at our jobs is that we are mm. artists. And so engaging with that and having the time to read and having the time to write your own work or, or read at something is so important and it kind of reminds us all why we're doing it as well that we're trying to create pathways for other people who are as excited about telling yeah. stories as we are. We had 360 or so odd artists applying um, to the festival this year and we do honour our commitment to program at least 25% of the final festival from that um, original list of applicants. How do you approach that? Because personally for me, this was my first year going through this process and it was incredibly overwhelming. I guess by that point in the process, I, you and I had already discussed a few of our kind of overarching 
ideas and intentions for the program. But when you read individually the enormous care, the broad range of work and concerns and forms that these 360 individual people have submitted, it really, for me, changed my whole, it just threw me way off track. And I'm wondering how you kind of approach the artist call out, because it really has seemed to me to be something that truly shapes the festival. You kind of think you know what you want to do, and then you receive these applications that are addressing um, so many different ideas in ways that you hadn't planned that actually align can align very well with the the shape of the festival. Yeah, I think it's something I feel it really deeply when we read all of those applications. And again, maybe this is partly, especially, well, I think I am a very empathetic person, mm-hmm. but I also, um, maybe it's having that experience of being an artist and applying for festivals and being rejected or submitting workplaces and being rejected or applying for opportunities and knowing what it feels like to be on the other side of that is um something that's always forefront in my mind as well when we go through those. And yeah, like you say, there's so much care that's placed in there and these individual or collective human beings Mm. who have really just put so much energy into telling us about what they're up to, what their ideas are. There's always like a tiny handful that haven't done that and they get pretty quickly on the, okay, that's all right, no, not this year pile. And it's even like because we run all these fellowships and opportunities now as well, there was a point in the year, I think it may have been actually last year rather than this year, but there was a point in the year where I had to send so many different unsuccessful artist emails out about different opportunities that we had going and it broke my heart. Like Mm. I was really in pain about having to send that many emails saying, look, you did a really great application and and it's actually this thing like I think we, we usually have far more amazing people than we have slots and it's the same like with the fellowship for example we just announced our new um state library victoria fellow and it's like there was like 10 people in my shortlist that would have been amazing for that and any one of them would have done something really incredible with it but i guess what i would say to folks listening as well about that is like we see you and even if you don't get that opportunity like i know you're there and like keep putting yourself forward for it because that work does pay off eventually But yes, to answer your question about how to approach it in a very literal sense, um, Aisha and I read every single application Mm -hmm. more than once most of the time. And that is in an Excel spreadsheet where we go through Mm -hmm. everyone's details and we read and reread them. We have a marking matrix. So there's like a strong yes, absolutely, let us find a place for this person in the festival. There's a yes, which is like, I I like this application. I think this person will really add something to the festival. There's a maybe, which is like, "Mm, I'm not sure if they've quite thought this through yet, but I'm not ready to say no yet. And then the no's and the strong no's are pretty rarely used, to be totally honest. Um, And that's usually like a strong no would really be um, if someone hasn't answered the questions correctly or has, you know, intimated anything that is, you know, inappropriate, like racist or homophobic or something like that in their application. That's a hard no. (laughs) And Yeah. yeah, otherwise, most of the time... That's pretty much how it works out. And then we start to consider things like we have finite budget for interstate artists. And so 
interstate artists are dealt with a little bit separately for us where we kind of sort of have to rank it in, in that sense as well. And But part of that is also about sharing it around. So I'm really excited that this year we have like Kaneen Martin, for example, coming from Darwin. Yeah. And we don't get that many applications from the Territory. And so it's really exciting to be able to, to bring her from Darwin. Um, and so that's something that we consider as well as going like, oh, we bring heaps of artists from Sydney, but like, let's give someone a go from, you know, another space. Perth's a really hard one for us because the yeah. flights are super expensive. There's a really incredible scene over there in Perth. Hello, folks, we see you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really challenging, but I'm really excited every time we see people applying from there though too. And mm-hmm. that's um, always thinking about whether there's digital ways we can engage with the scene that's so vibrant all the way over there. Um, yeah, so those are the kind of like, that's how... I approach it and then, as you said, we start to change our programming according to what people have put in their applications and sometimes there's that amazing thrill of someone having an idea that we're just like, that is so original and on point and I want to see that session and I would never have thought of that. Um, So even though it's really hard to say no to the people that we have to say no to, it's such an enriching experience to read all those applications. During this conversation, I've been thinking more about programming as a role and a skill set. And I'm wondering if you have any programmers that inspire you, because I feel like it's rarely talked about. Like we have, we talk about artists a lot, but in the literary scene, I feel like we don't actually talk very much about people who are good at bringing people together in a specific way. I really, I'm deeply inspired by everyone that's in our team. And maybe... I'm so lucky that I get to, you know, witness the inside workings of that and why you make particular decisions. But yeah, I really do feel that. And I think like, and the creative producers often are Mm, really inspiring to me as well. I've been thinking about this a bit recently because I feel like I actually, uh, my impulse is actually to be quite critical of um, a lot of other spaces that Mm, I see being created. And so... Yeah, I guess I wish that I had more of a feeling of that joy. I really like Audio Craft Festival in Sydney. Um, That's up my alley. Um, There's some really cool little small press. I think it's also, it's like communities and collectives that really inspire me as well. So like Subbed In up in Sydney, Mm -hmm. Synthetic Heat down here. Yeah, some people like that. And a lot of the collectives that have come out of like the ECL program, Footscray Community Arts Centre is always amazing. Yeah, that was one I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, New Wayfinders and This Mob, people like that, or even some of the the stuff that Tan Hung's been doing, or Sick Leave, like that Harry who works on reception does. Like those little kind of community-based readings and events are usually the ones that I'm the most excited by. Oh, still Nomads. I know that it's like a journal, a publication, but I do think Law put on really good um, events as well. I just said to you on the tram on the way here, seeing like Black Tourmaline and the events that have, um, you know, you've been working on with the community reading room at Testing Grounds, like that's really inspiring as well. So that, and that's your practice outside of your work with EWF. I feel like I'm going to be like, oh my God, there's like all these people I didn't mention as well, but definitely going to feel that after we leave the room. Yeah. Similarly for me, it's a lot of folks outside of the mainstream artsy Mm. bubble that we kind of are part of in EWF, even though we may do things, some things um, differently. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, yeah, I'm really inspired by 
Afrohub as a venue, like the programming that comes out of Saba and the beautiful community of folks who um, patronise Afrohub, Abby Mag, Pseudo Girls Talk events, obviously still nomads. I feel like um, radio is something that I'm mm. really interested in. I always, I always feel like I'm not listening to enough radio, um, but I feel like that's almost a curatorial skill in itself as well, like lining up interviews, bringing people together. Um, Abyss from Hip Sister Hop um, does this so well and so do a bunch of other incredible um, broadcasters for local radio as well. And then overseas, I'm really inspired in Turtle Island by a lot of folks doing really great work. So Ola from the Free Black Women's Library in Turtle Island and um, Bufu by Us For Us Collective work out of New York and they do some incredible public free programming as well for their communities. I think even like the the curation that goes into like journals and spaces that I read work in and particularly when we're working on the digital stream that Ruby's Mm -hmm. working on and we'll be working on the Digital Writers Festival again later this year. That's something that I think is part of this weird morphing has happened where kind of actually um, like editing has become, and and it is an Emerging Writers Festival's history as well to to have done that, but that opens up a whole other kettle of people that I'm really inspired by too that's um, not quote-unquote literary programming, but it's, uh, yeah, a form of curation that I'm inspired by. It's like the works that people make in the like journals and the ways that they've put writers together and yeah. the way that they frame ideas. That's yeah. something I draw from a lot too. I think Jed Press is one that comes oh, to mind often. And then also in terms of venues and things like that, like IRL and Pro Shop in West Footscray is a space that I think is really great. And I'm really excited to see more people using that space. Yeah. Um, I think Liminal is one to mention for me personally outside of EWF. The lists that we have created are by no means exhaustive. Um, I'm really inspired by the National Young Writers Festival crew every year as well. And often I get a lot of ideas from theatre makers and visual artists. Um, And the program advisory committee that we work with are really excellent at kind of keeping us thinking and, and making sure that we're engaging with our community in really interesting ways as well. I'm really inspired too by two incredible women that I'm privileged to work with outside of my work with EWF. Arij Noor, who I mentioned still nomads, and Samira is flipping amazing. Arij is co-founder and all of the folks that have really taken on that collective and made it outside of Arij and Samira as well. But yeah, Arij does the rap as well on Triple R, which is amazing. And then Beth Atkinson-Quinton, who works just next to us at Express Media. Yeah, we work together on Broadwave Podcasting Network and I find their ideas and approach are always making me strive to do better as well. For me, a lot of people who put on music events, especially people who work sort of in fundraisers, And bringing that aspect into it, I think that's something that also inspires me a lot and gives me a lot to think about as well in terms of my own practice. Personally, the people that I work with through um, Your Soy, which is the um, Latinx collective that I co-founded. So Jess, who's my co-director, I guess, and then pretty much everyone who's in Your Soy. And then also I find like groups like the West Writers group to be really amazing spaces yeah wow well thanks so much for chatting um today thank you thank you and thank you dear listener for listening to this emerging writers festival podcast